Fantastic. Basically, all I want to do um, this afternoon is, is ask a simple question, and that's this. Do you know that you were created for community? Yeah? Do you know that you were made, you were fashioned, your purpose in God creating you and me was for community? Um, We've mentioned sort of God creating the world and uh, in, in sort of the time of the worship and, and what an amazing job he's done, right? And if you remember in, in, in the Bible, sort of in the book of Genesis, you read of God speaking out things into being, yeah? Let there be light. So ring any bells? Let there be, let there be animals. Let there be plants, Right, But interestingly, when it comes to God making you and me, he doesn't say, let there be human, right? No, you know, God, he really, he takes his time. He isn't rash, he doesn't go, let there be human. But he thinks and he ponders, you know, God, when he made you and me, he made something really special. Yeah, he made something really special. And Genesis one twenty seven says that God created man and woman in his image. And, and what's it mean to be made in someone's image? It means that we reflect a little bit of who God is to the world. Yeah? God, Father, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. You know, God makes us, isn't make us, you know, it makes us together to reflect him as community. And so, when we don't live life in community and when we live life by ourselves, we're not fully representing who God is. Yeah, we're an incomplete picture when we're just by ourselves, living life by ourselves, doing, doing life our own way. We're not fully representing God's image because God created us for community. Um, and he created us um, to live in harmony, right? With him, yeah, vertical, yeah, you, you, us and God would have that perfect harmony. But we would have harmony with one another, okay? So we have horizontal harmony, yeah? We're, we're friends of God, we're friends with one another. But then God also created us to rule over creation, right? To help it to flourish, yeah? We, um, you know, I was just in Kev's garden earlier. I didn't want to leave. It was really nice and sunny, and Kev was showing me how he's, he's been doing all the gardening and make his garden look really nice. And that's our job. We, we, we are called to cultivate the earth, make it flourish. Um, but if you, um, if you remember in Genesis, you know, it all starts off quite well, doesn't it? But it isn't long until it all goes downhill. And, and we learn, don't we, in, in the garden, Adam and Eve, you know, God says to them, hey guys, you know, I love you, don't go near that tree, <laughs> right? You know, but, you know, I want you to... to trust in my definition of right and wrong yeah I don't want you to believe in your own definition of right and wrong I want you to trust me and we know what happens don't we they go their own way and and they trust their own definition of right and wrong and and sin enters in the garden and, and sin enters in 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 the world and almost instantly their vertical relationship with God is ruined right or marred Okay, because God's sort of strolling in the garden. Where, where, where are you guys? 
And, and they're, they're hiding, right? They're afraid of God. How sad is that? That, you know, the one person who can heal us and make us whole is the person we run from. And so their vertical relationships ruined and their horizontal relationships ruined because what does Adam say when, when you know, what happens, right? Who, who did this? Who ate from the tree? Well, uh, Eve did. And, 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 Eve, and Eve, well, the, the snake told me to. And so, you know, the, the relationship with God's kind of marred, but with one another, there's disconnect, right? And also, you know, we're told to subdue and rule over creation. Interestingly, the serpent's telling us what to do, yeah? Creation's ruling over us. So our relationship with God's marred, our relationship with one another's marred, and our relationship with creation is all the wrong way around. And so if we learn anything from this story, it's that sin, when we, when we do things our own way, go live life our own way outside of God, that ruins community. Yeah? It, it ruins community. Um, we've said it, we run from our creator. Colossians says outside of Christ, we're alienated from God and we're his active enemies. Yeah. Sin destroys our relationship with creation. Look around the world today, right? We pollute the earth. We hunt for raw materials. We we frack the earth. You know, we plummet down and and destroy and the planet. We don't take care of it as well as we probably should. We're not helping it to flourish. And. But for this afternoon, our main effects of sin, really, is our relationship with one another. Yeah? That's, it's ruined. You know, we, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Genesis starts off well, and obviously it goes massively downhill. And then the next chapter, literally the next chapter, Cain murders his brother Abel. Yeah? It's not the best example of brotherly love. Right? It's not the best example of community. You know, the second sin enters the picture, there's disconnect, there's murder, and you read Genesis and it just gets worse and worse. There's this, you know, all these communities sort of rise up and just want to destroy one another. And then we get to, you know, the Tower of Babel, the ultimate act of rebellion, and then God just says, you know, I regret even making these people. It's a really sad image. And so Genesis just becomes a book that gets darker and darker and darker. But we were, you and me, were designed for enriching relationships. We were designed to flourish together. To have um, relationships where we don't exploit one another, but, but, but where we help one another to grow. Um, and so sin affects relationships. You know, we compete for power we want to dominate one another. We want to take advantage of one another. It ruins community. In our brokenness, right, in our sin, um, we, we ruin community. But, did you know that you were created for community? Right? You were created for enriching community. Um, if you want to go to your Bible or log into your Bible app or... I don't know what you do, but let's go to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament and we'll look at um, from chapter 2 and chapter 2, book of Ephesians and 
from verse 11. Verse 11, it says this, and this is Paul speaking, and he says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Okay, so what, what on earth is Paul talking about here? Um, a major issue for the Ephesians and a major issue in the New Testament world, the first century, um, was this whole issue of Gentiles, right? Non-Jews. It's hard for us to get our heads around, isn't it? Because if, if we're honest, sometimes... It might, it might be guilty of thinking like this, but we think that Jesus came to start a new religion and it doesn't matter who you were, everyone could join and happy days. But unfortunately, it's not that simple. First of all, Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He came to fulfill Judaism. And secondly, if you were a Gentile, if you weren't a Jew and you were a Christian in the first century, you probably felt like you didn't belong. Right? You probably felt like you didn't belong. Think about it. I mean, if you're Jewish, you've got it made, right? You've got the Bible, the Hebrew scriptures. You've got all the stories you know about Abraham. You've got all the prophets. You've got all the promises. You've got all that heritage. Yeah, you've got all the festivals. You've got the Sabbath. When you gather together as God's people to sing the Psalms, you know all the lyrics, right? You, you know all the lyrics to the Psalms. And I mean, Jesus was Jewish. Yeah? So if you're Jewish, you, it's awesome, right? And if you're not Jewish, if you're a Gentile, you might feel like, I don't belong. Yeah? I don't get, I don't know any of these lyrics to the Psalms. I don't really know who Abraham is. You know, I don't, that's not part of who I am. So the problem we had is non Jews, Gentiles, wanted to be Jewish. And so you read in, in the book of Galatians, people wanting to adopt circumcision, right? Non, Non-Jews. You know, I want to fit in. I, I don't feel like a Christian. I, I want to be part of this Abrahamic line. I want to have this Jewish heritage. I don't quite feel like a Christian. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched a football match on TV with other people. And there's always one person in the room, right, who just doesn't get it okay they just don't and, and, this, and they say silly things like who's playing who's mun versus wum right and they don't quite get it and they say stuff like why is why is the linesman putting his flag in the air you know what what's what's that and they might even try and join in and go that was a really nice pass right and and it's the point i mean that's the, i mean it's, I, I love watching football with friends and stuff and 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 but I often find that we can't tolerate that person, okay? They're too annoying. I don't want to explain everything to you, okay? This is not, I just want to watch football. Why are you asking all these questions? And so it's kind of like that with Jews and Gentiles. You know, there's this established culture. People get the rules. People get what it's all about. But then there's that one person in the room who just doesn't, is just annoying, 
and doesn't quite get it and, and they want to fit in and they want to be part of us and, and that's the problem, right? And that's what it was like in, in the first century. Um, I don't know if they watched football. I don't know. I can't prove it. Um, and so let's keep reading. What does Paul say there? Got this problem, this, this problem with the Gentiles. And Paul says in verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one, and he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, this is God's purpose all along, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, out of the Jews and Gentiles. Thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And this verse is beautiful. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Jesus unites us. Jesus unites us, right? Because of his death and, and resurrection, because of Jesus' life that he gives to us, we're now part of his family. Yeah, and this dividing wall, which it talks about there, which was designed to keep Gentiles out, has been destroyed. Yeah, it's been destroyed. Um, Jesus brings us together. Jesus brings us together. So we're not just reconciled with God. When you believe, we're not just reconciled with God. We are reconciled with other people from all over, right? So I want to say, you know, if you feel like a stranger or a foreigner in this church community, I want to encourage you and say you're actually a fellow citizen with God's holy people. Maybe you think, I don't know the Bible as well as some people. I don't even know the lyrics that well. You are a fellow citizen with everyone else. Okay? You're not a stranger or a foreigner. You're a fellow citizen. You have every right to be here. Jesus unites us. So if you want to turn to Acts 2... You know, it's a brilliant chapter, Acts 2, if somebody asks you to speak on community. For me, it's the first chapter I think of. Um, it's a brilliant chapter. And, and what do we have? Right at the start of chapter 2, we, we have um, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, don't we? Um, what happens? You've got a house full of disciples praying, praying to God, and then, and then the Spirit comes and they start speaking different languages. And then people outside the house can understand all of these languages that are being spoken. And they say, we can, you know, we can hear our own language being spoken. What do they say in verse 12? They say, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Now, obviously, it means that speaking in tongues is a normal part of Christian life. And, but it also means that if you're in Christ, okay, if you're united in his death, if you have the spirit of Christ, you've been, 
invited into a community made up of people from all the nations of the world. Um, you see, it's not just, we don't just see people speaking in different languages, but we see people understanding the gospel in different languages. That's why it's so important. When God saves us, when God saves you and me, he doesn't save us, you know, he saves us together. He doesn't save us in isolation. He doesn't save us out of a community. He saves us for a community. That's God's intention. He saves us together as his people. He doesn't pluck us out one by one and says, I'll have Kev, I'll, I'll have Russ. You know, he saves us together for a community. For the past three years, um, my wife and myself have um, been living with another couple in the church and their two children who are three and four. And, and when we decided to, uh, to move in, people thought we were crazy. Yeah? They said, what are you doing? You know, you're living with married couple and the children are you sure you want to do this you know and um, maybe they were right I don't know um, but you know it, at first what what might seem odd and weird to those outside okay not conventional it's not normal what might seem odd and weird what we found is actually so much unites us by being part of the church by having this shared vision, by being Christians, this bigger picture unites us and the, and the little things don't really come into focus too much of the time. Yeah, okay, we, we might fall out or, or things might not run smoothly, but overall we're united by Christ. He unites us. He makes it possible. We can live together. I don't know if you find it, but if you go to Connect or you go to a Christian event or whatever, and um, I just find that I just connect with Christians straight away, yeah? I, I mean, if it, if it was someone at work or it wasn't a Christian, someone I just met randomly, I, I would struggle to, just, to get deep and personal. But I feel like when we meet Christians, it's like, oh, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. Oh, great, we've got so much in common. We can talk about anything now. And I feel like there's so much that we have in common. It's easy. And, you know, I, I, um, I love going to connect because... And my connect meets on a Wednesday. And, and I love going because I get to meet people who I would never normally meet, right? Um, I, I'm 27 years old, and I know I look younger. But um, I, I, you know, if I wasn't in the church, if I wasn't a believer, I, I would just hang out with people similar to me. Yeah? But in my connect, I meet people who are in their 50s, you know, I meet people from all over the world, I meet people from Singapore, you know, I hang out with people who I wouldn't normally hang out with. I love that, okay, I love that about the church, and I don't think you'll find that anywhere else really, you know, because Jesus brings people from all over the world together, and it's amazing, it's amazing we get to hang out. Um, I love Acts 2, but what I love about it is... Um, when Peter explains what's happening, spirit's been poured out, people speaking in tongues, yeah? When, when Peter explains it, um, we read that people, after hearing the gospel, the good news, they repent of their sin, they, you know, they get baptized, and, but they automatically become part of the church. Um, if you want to, uh, from verse 38... sort of says, you know, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. Okay, so we'll go down to 
verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their daily number, daily those who were being saved. Okay, beautiful picture, right? We, we read that, we, we feel inspired. This is fantastic. God's working in a community who choose to be together. Um, but it's not, okay, well, imagine you're there. Okay, well, thanks. What a great sermon, Peter. It was really good. Touched my heart. Um, and thanks for being baptized. See you later. No, it's not, is it? It's, it's okay, I'm, I'm, I've been, I believe the gospel. I've turned away from my old way of living. Surely there's a, a family or a community I should be part of, right? There's some people I need to join. Yeah, I mean, it comes together. It's the whole picture. And so, you know, when we put our faith in Jesus, um, we automatically become part of a community. Yes, it's it's, it's the same thing. Um, Believing in Jesus means um, being together. Um, It means living together. Um, For some of us, probably not literally living together. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, But living life together... Um, I want a cup of tea now. I just said cup of tea and I want a cup of tea. I don't know how that happened. Sorry, probably I want tea now. Right. Um, I'm sure in the park you can get some tea. Um, but um, I often ask at this point when I read Acts 2, why? You know, why were they so devoted? I look at my own life and I just think I wish I could be more devoted. Why are they so devoted? And if you read Acts 2, it doesn't say anywhere that like, Peter made them. He didn't lock them all in the room and he said, right, be friends. It doesn't... It, I just ask, why were they devoted? And I think, I think the answer is as simple as this. They were thankful. They were grateful. I think it's as simple as that. You know, they experienced the forgiveness of sins. They experienced the outpouring of the Spirit. And and they just automatically wanted to give of their time and their resources, right? They they wanted to give of everything. They they didn't build higher garden fences, but they built bigger dinner tables, yeah? They they gave much because they'd been forgiven much. And, And they were generous with their time and their resources because they'd experienced God's generous nature. Um, they'd never felt more loved. They'd never felt more appreciated. They'd never quite felt the Holy Spirit as, you know, being the person of the Spirit, being with them so intimately. They hadn't quite felt like that. And so they were eternally grateful. And so in every situation, they overflowed with thankfulness. Um, And we see in Acts, when God works signs and wonders among them, they don't start like a ministry and go, how awesome are we? But they just, like, constantly remain in awe. Because they're like, you know, for God to work among us miraculously is a sheer grace. So I want to ask you, are you grateful for this community? For the people in the room, are you grateful? Are you grateful that people in this room love you more than you can imagine? That God loves you more than you can imagine? Um, there's so much in the world, isn't there, telling us constantly um, 
what we don't have and what we supposedly need, right? So advertising, yeah? Advertising is constantly telling us what we need and, and, and what we don't have. Um, everywhere, we're, you know, we're told the same story everywhere we look. You're not rich enough. You're not thin enough. You don't go on holiday enough. Yeah, you're not good looking enough. You know what um, advertising agencies' worst nightmare is? Do you know what keeps them awake at night? That one day people would start to become grateful and satisfied with all that they have. Yeah, there wouldn't be any need for advertising. Um, gratitude is good for you. Actually, it's good for you. Um, there's, there's been tests proven that people who are more thankful, um, it can reduce depression, it can higher the immune system, it can lower blood pressure. People who are more grateful daily, it's good to be grateful. Um, I want to encourage us, let's not complain about what God doesn't give us, but rather let's be thankful for what he gives us daily. Yeah? Um, because there's nothing more draining than focusing on what we lack. Um, the spirit, when it was poured out, it didn't create an ungrateful, stingy people. It created a, a thankful, generous people, didn't it? Um, and it's important for us, you know, we can read Acts 2 and we just, we pray, God, you know, please let this awesome community happen. God, just please let this awesome, mysterious community, you know, let it just happen right now. Let's have an Acts 2 community right now. God, let that happen. The truth is, all we have to do is be thankful for the community he's already given us. Yeah? It almost seems odd to pray for community when it's right in front of us. Um, The German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he writes beautifully about this. But he says this, his little quote. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Christian community is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. So take a look around the room now, even where you sat. Just have a little look around the room. Yeah? This is your community. Yeah, maybe there's people in the room you don't know. Maybe there's people in the room you struggle to be around. Tough, this is family. This is your friends and family. And I want to just challenge this in your heart. Are you thankful for people in this room? For the community that God's given you? Um, finally, um, we're made for community, right? But if you're like me, sometimes I just want to stay at home and watch Netflix with my cat and my wife. Um, because work is hard, right? Work drains us. Yeah? Um, life drains us. People drain us. But oh, how we need one another. Yeah? Um, I know uh, sometimes connecting with people can make us feel vulnerable. Yeah. Yesterday morning we had a men's breakfast about 12 of us get together and we just prayed we want to be vulnerable 
And it was great, we had a fantastic time and we really grew together. It's scary being vulnerable, but that's where we grow. And we become more of who we are when we are with others. And that's the truth. Um, because unfortunately, the, the church community isn't like Facebook, right? Um, Facebook isn't a community, it's a network. You don't belong to it, it belongs to you. Um, in church life, you can't just de- delete somebody, right? If you find them difficult. You can't just hide it on your newsfeed, right? You can't, I've tried it. Doesn't work. You can't create like an, an echo chamber where all you hear is your own opinions. It's not real life. Real life means that you're challenged by people. Yeah, it means you're challenged by people's point of views. And it means sometimes we need to allow for that to happen. Um, and likewise, if, if you extend relationship to someone, there's a likelihood that sometimes you might be rude or reject it. But we love anyway, don't we? Yeah? We love anyway. We, we choose to be vulnerable. And I've said it, and we've said it, our vision as a church is loved lovers loving others. And I like the order. It says to me that um, we can't love other people if we don't love ourselves. And knowing um, not just that you're loved, but you're lovable. Yeah? That God isn't in love with a future version of you. He, yeah, he, he loves you just as you are, and, and not how you should be. And so we're, we're worthy. You are worthy of community, right? You're worthy of fellowship because you are made for community. Um, but we need to be authentic and vulnerable um, because we badly need each other. Galatians 5 says this. From verse 25. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Yeah? The assumption that I find interesting here is it doesn't say, if you find that there's someone in your community who has a burden, but it says, bear one another's burdens. Not if there's someone in your community who's a little bit of a burden, right? But it seems to suggest that we all have burdens. Yeah? We all have burdens. So what is your burden? Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's grief. Maybe it's pain. Read it again. Carry each other's burdens. It's not only normal to have burdens, but it's, it's also normal to not carry them alone. Yeah, life's difficult when we refuse to ask for help. Um, life is made easier when we shoulder each other's burdens. Um, so if it is a financial burden, you know, we can pray for one another. We might pray together at the end of the meeting. 
God, I really pray, you know, that this person needs £30. I really pray that you would give someone to this person to give them £30. That you would send someone to this person to give them £30. The book of James says, if that's all that we do, we've not done enough. Why don't we give that person the money instead of praying for it? Well, you know, we can help, can't we? Sometimes we pray for help, but, but we are the help. We can bear one another's burdens. Um, and sometimes, if you're like me, I like to carry my own burden, yeah? And you might feel like you don't want to bother anyone. You don't want to be a burden to them. You might even think it's got nothing to do with them anyway, you know. Jesus has carried all my burdens. And if I'm heavy laden, I'll go to him for rest. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And Psalm 55 verse 22 says, It doesn't tell me to cast my burdens on you, it tells me to cast my burdens on the Lord. Yeah? And of course, Jesus took all our sin and, and guilt, burdens, but what about everyday burdens, right? What about financial worry? What about temptations and grief? It's true, 1 Peter 7 says, Cast all your worries, your anxieties, your cares on God because he cares for you. But there's one way that God intends to comfort us and to lighten our burdens and to help us on our Christian journey and that is through his body, the church. If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 7 and this is our final scripture which we'll turn to. 2 Corinthians and chapter 7. this is Paul and he says from verse 5 for when we came into Macedonia we had no rest we were harassed at every turn conflicts on the outside and fears within so picture the scene you have Paul a pretty solid Christian some might say knows his scriptures quite well but he describes a time in Macedonia when he's burdened by lack of sleep right Burdened by being in a foreign country, burdened by persecution and and burdened by worry and fear, you have Paul, epic man of God, right? But burdened by an array of things. Um, And I'm sure Paul prayed about his burdens, right? I'm sure he asked God to lighten them. I'm sure he knew that, uh, that God could. But look how God's comfort came, verse 6. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Burdened, tired, persecuted, fearful. And Paul says, Titus came and comforted me. Right? Titus came... And encouraged me. Titus came and and carried my burdens. Even Paul needed a Titus. Even Jesus, right? Even Jesus, before his crucifixion, before his greatest trial, Luke 25 verse 15 says, this is what Jesus says to his disciples, before I suffer, I eagerly wish to eat with you. Yeah? Come with me to Gethsemane. I don't want to be alone. I need your comfort. Even Jesus. We all need, we all need one another. Um, 
Because sometimes the Christ in your heart is stronger than the Christ in my heart. You know, one day I might be burdened, one day I might be believing lies and, and doubts and uncertainties. And on those days, I really need your voice in my life. Um, I just want to say I'm not talking about um, living in isolation, okay, so living Christian life by yourself. Um, I'm talking about living life together, but at the same time, if you struggle to be alone, if you need other people around you, I want to challenge you. Um, Community, community is God's plan, but if you if you struggle to to to, be, to spend time by yourself, community won't thrive. Um, it, you really need to be able to spend time uh, alone to in, to enjoy yourself, and to have times of solitude. Um, recently, I've just I have six six brothers and sisters, and I've never really had time by myself. Growing up, you know, there's always people around, and recently just enjoying time by myself and finding that if I can spend time just being quiet by myself you know when I come to connect or when I come to meet other people I can give more right I can I can give more of myself because when you go in solitude you're not taking yourself away from people but you're actually drawing yourself closer to them yeah, because it enables us to draw and love people and draw closer to people when we spend time alone. So that's good for community. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. We need one another. Yeah, because we were created for community. Because Jesus died for this community. Um, Jesus unites us. He brings us together. So we can be thankful for all he's done for us. Um, and in being thankful, we can open up, we can be brave, we can be vulnerable, and we can grow together. Um, we were created for community. Um, thanks for having me this afternoon in this beautiful weather. Um, I pray God will bless your picnic, and thank you guys. <laughs>